Want to help keep the lights on in Anarchy Basement? Then go to PRLfans.com. There you can find links to Patreon, PayPal, our Bitcoin info, and other ways to help support the podcast. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Punk Rock Libertarians podcast, episode 418. I am Otto, and tonight I'm joined with Jared. Hello, everybody. At Jared PRL, if you're on Twitter. And we have, oh, and right in center screen, just the way he wanted it. He said, he told everyone, I need to be in the center screen because I need I need everyone to focus on me and my pretty face. So thanks, K-Wags. Kyle Wagner, everybody. I, I did not say that. Uh, hey, hey, everybody. Glad to be on tonight. <laughs> CEO oh. of the Wagner Group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no relation yeah. to the Wagner Group. And oh, then you guys just heard him there. If you're listening, uh, that that would be the election denier himself, James Babb. Great to be with you. And uh, Alex, Alex, last but not well, I wouldn't say last. You're not last, but hey. you're still not least. How about that? Good to good to see everybody. We have an award winner, but we'll get to that. We'll talk about the award winner that's in our in our midst right now. But uh, but special guest tonight, what I'm super stoked to have is uh the co-host of Conflicts of Interest. The news editor at Libertarian Institute and the opinion editor at antiwar.com, Kyle Anzalone. Thanks for joining us, man. Guys, thanks so right. much for having me back on. Yeah, no, you nailed it. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, man. Yes. All right. Cool. Yeah, no, it's great, man, having you on here. This whew, man, so much is going on. I was like, I literally was in DC. I was in DC. I was uh, last night. I was uh, went and saw Iron Maiden play at the Capital One Arena. And I was so stoked to be there. But then I, every time I go to D.C., though, I always like, dude, that could be the night to get vaporized. We're so close. <laughs> We're so close to nuclear war. And that's all I think about when I go when I'm driving into D.C. and I see the Capitol building. Yeah. Just, but if it happened no. there, at least, you know, it was for a good cause. You know, like <laughs> it would be really sad if it happened like somewhere else, you know, where and like those guys just continued on regardless. Yeah, it's funny. Scott uh, Scott was talking on this podcast. They were, they were, he was on with some guy. I forget the guest. Uh, I think it might have been Peter Van Buren. They were talking about this 1960s movie where <laughs> where Russia uh, or ex, like the United States accidentally nuked Moscow and they didn't want the war to escalate. And they're like, we're sorry. It was a complete accident. And so to prove it was an accident, they had to the, they had to agree to nuke their own city and they chose New York City. And like Scott was like, what? That's bullshit. Why? It should have been D.C. Capital for capital. <laughs> it's like, what did New York ever do to these people? That's not fair. <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. I was just listening to that today. But uh, yeah, so thank you so much for calling. There's a dude, just so much stuff going on. I, I'm I'm hearing about uh, the 101st Airborne. Yeah, that's yes. Thank you, Alex. That's what I want. That video I saw over the weekend about the 101st Airborne being deployed for the first time in Europe since World War II. Man, I was just watching Band of Brothers too. Which is, which is about the 101st Airborne being in, you know, in Nazi, you know, occupied Europe. And I'm just thinking, I just watched that, they rewatched it for the first time in a few years. And now it's like, we're back. Yeah, you posted that, you uh, posted on antiwar.com, uh, Kyle, correct? I think I, that's where I stumbled across it. And then uh, this is the retweet from the Mises Caucus. But, Jared, if you want to pull this video up, but it is pretty scary. And it is, seems like it's an escalate an, a, an escalation. So, um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this latest? Yes, 
I, I, you know, I did cover this for antiwar.com. Like you said, uh, the article title is 101st Airborne Deployed to Ukraine's Border. And, uh, you know, the Brigadier General John Lubis, who's the you know, highest ranking uh, commander of the 101st, who's on the ground there in Romania, said that his troops are on full, full deployment. And this is not a training deployment. This is a combat deployment for us. We understand we need to be ready to fight tonight. And so, you know, that's a, a pretty provocative thing to say. Uh, and then there's another, I, I think, a colonel that's on the ground there, and he's quoted in this video. And he says that basically what they're doing is they're at a forward operating base within four miles of Ukraine's border. And those soldiers are in joint exercises with Romanian forces. And they're looking at what Ukraine is doing on the ground in eastern Ukraine, what their forces are doing, what they're going up against Russia. And then they're building out like those those scenarios and running those combat military war games right on the border. And they had this CBS news reporter flying around with them over the weekend. Uh, you know, it's like a promotional video for the Pentagon is essentially what this CBS report amounts to. But uh, it, it is very provocative. Now it is only another 4,700 troops. There's already a hundred thousand American troops, but these are the, you know, this is the closest deployment to Ukraine's border. Uh, that we've had since, it, I mean, there, there's CIA on the ground. There's a bunch of special operations veterans on the ground, on the front lines. Uh, we, we now know there's U.S. special operations forces in Ukraine. So there are troops in Ukraine, but as like an official in uniform doing military drills, you know, the, these people are, are only three and a half miles from the Ukrainian border. Jesus. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and play that, Jared? Let's pull that up. But yeah, it is pretty scary. And I um, stumbled across that this weekend and very, very unsettling. They're America's go-to combat troops. Go, 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 go. The soldiers of the 101st Airborne Division, now the closest no, no. U.S. forces to the fight in Ukraine. We join Colonel Edwin Mathedis and Brigadier General John Lubis on board a Black Hawk helicopter where we flew along the coast of the Black Sea, across those same waters from Russian-held territory in Ukraine, including Crimea. What is the what if? What are you preparing for? We have two major tasks, right? To, to assure our allies and deter our adversaries from doing anything. Fully aware those adversaries have eyes Crimea, on every which is part of Russia. That part of it? That's the tire part, man. That's the whole deter aspect, right? They know that we're here. They know that we're ready. We're just coming within three, three and a half <laughs> miles of the Ukraine. I love the look at the reporter. He's just... That city behind us is okay. in Ukraine. We're right on the edge of NATO territory. These embedded reporters, God, the they're the operating worst. site. Dude, watch pause forces it, pause it, pause of the 101st. Isn't it gross how they keep saying NATO territory? Yeah. Like, I, I, that bothers the shit out of me when I hear people say, that's NATO territory. Like, no, that's a sovereign country that you're in. But I guess it's not what, so wait, what are they? Anyway. What are they calling NATO territory? What, 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 is, what country is that they're in currently? I, for, I forgot. Romania. Romania. Okay, yeah. So it was, I wasn't sure if it was Croatia or Romania. Yeah, so they're saying Romania. That's NATO territory. Ugh. No, I mean, that, that's a really good point, because I, I mean, most Americans don't know where Romania is. They couldn't find it on a map. And they don't even know what the fuck you say Ukraine NATO. is. 
Right. Yeah. But when you say NATO territory, it sounds like someplace American troops should be. And so it, it it's a really good propaganda point. Yep. Very, very Yeah, true. like who wants to go to war for, you know, for Romania? You know, like, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Wow, but it, it is terrifying. I mean, they just—I mean—is there any sign of, of 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 pulling back from the brink of 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 just further ex- escalation? Uh, it just seems like it's just so reckless and uh, and and nonstop. Is there any hope out there? I, I guess I, I if you I, I all right. To be optimistic, I'll point to a few things. Joe Biden was at a fundraiser. So, you know, these are donors that he's talking to. And at that fundraiser, he acknowledges the world is closer to nuclear Armageddon than at any point since the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, I mean, scary. Thanks that to his brilliance. <laughs> right? right. Thanks to his, right. his strategery. But, but thankfully, the president recognizes that. And then. Two, there's been a series of, of phone calls between uh, – so Lloyd Austin talked with the Russian defense minister for the first time since uh, May 13th on Friday, and then Sunday they had another call. And the reason I think that there may be some potential good news here, because publicly all we got about these calls is that they happened, both sides warned of escalation, and Russia warned of a potential dirty bomb false flag that was going to happen in the Kershaw region. But uh, the, very little details have been provided about these calls. And I think Lloyd Austin is somebody that's pretty close and loyal to Joe Biden. So there's some potential, I think, that the calls between the defense ministers here maybe has a, a little bit more to it. And then the third point I would make is uh, the Turkish president, Recep Erdogan, has said that he feels like the Russian position is softening. And Erdogan, while being the head of a NATO state, has maintained uh, economic ties with Russia and almost brokered an end to this uh, whole war in, in the end of March. There was a deal on the table that both sides were accepted to, and it was the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson who went to Kiev and ruined those talks and told Zelensky not to sign a deal and that they wouldn't back it, and that's why uh, the, those talks fell apart. But those were brokered by Turkey, and so you know Erdogan maintains a relationship with Putin, and those two have talked several times. I, I think actually Turkey... They did. They applied to be a member of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which is the main uh, Chinese-sponsored kind of alternative to the the U.S.-centric uh, world uh, economic policy. So, uh, you know, Turkey is looking to extend and maintain its relationship with Russia, another country sanctioned by the U.S. Yeah, that's um, so. That was that was just a couple months ago, but that's been scrapped. Correct. So. Any other signs that we might be? Uh, you know, Russia has said in recent weeks that they're open to talks and, and things like that. It, it just, you know, it really depends. We're not in the back room, so we don't know actually what, you know, Putin is saying, like, these are my red lines. This is exactly what I need to accept. This is what I won't accept. Uh, but, you know, from what happened in March, it seemed like there was a deal on the table uh, that was agreeable to the warring parties here. And it was NATO, the U.S., the U.K. that that squashed the deal. And, and so I'm not sure if something like that could, could be brought back. You know, you know, now we're looking at a war where maybe hundreds of thousands of people have died when you count the soldiers on each side, the civilians, uh, you know, people who have maybe died from all 
not not from being shot, but other causes of this war. Uh, and so, the, you know, that just creates a lot of hostility and it makes that sometimes these wars harder to unwind the longer they go on. And so who knows if we could go back to that deal from April, but you would hope that at this point, everybody would be pushing for it to try to come to some resolution here before this thing gets really nasty this winter. What about the 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 Europeans, you know, uh, the quote, you know, NATO allies that are going to be very cold this winter? Uh, Like wasn't Germany like it seemed like they were already pressuring their government to to break from the sanctions regime. And uh, was it the the like the prime minister of Italy or somebody like others have had like secret conversations uh, revealed where they're like, you know, (laughs) <laughs> they're trying to get back. They want to be on, they need their fuel. They, they need this to be over and, but they're afraid to break ranks. So. Yeah, absolutely. There and there was, uh, my, my colleague Connor Freeman wrote an article for, uh, antiwar.com, uh, Sunday. And one of the things he detailed in that article was even the New York times is now acknowledging the protests going on in Europe. And a lot of the European leaders are getting really uncomfortable, uh, you know, trust, uh, the UK prime minister, Liz trust who look was a complete lunatic. And I feel a little bit better today knowing that she's out of power. Uh, this is a woman, uh, my, another colleague of my, Will Porter wrote this article for the Libertarian Institute a couple months ago where she was doing a like TV appearance in the UK when she was slated to was likely to become the next prime minister. And the announcer asked her, you know, this would be really hard to do. Are you ready to like launch nuclear weapons? And she's like, I'm ready to do it like enthusiastically. And he's like, but oh, you know, begging to do it. Right. And he's like, but you know, are, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, I'm ready to do it. And so this one was a complete lunatic and good that she's gone. But, you know, the, the economic instability is making European leaders very uncomfortable right now. Did you see that leaked audio from Berlusconi that where they were? I think he was uh, it was like a, a leaked conversation where he admitted that NATO had provoked the conflict and they're exchanging uh, like vodka and wine and whatnot uh, with with Putin. And like just literally like exposing the fact that they're not adversaries in, in this. But uh, said something like, oh, if, if people knew my view on this, you know, it'd be tragic for the for the coalition. Good Lord. <laughs> I had not seen that, but I, I'm kind of not surprised. I, I think How he many, actually I mean, made some pretty bold statements and was uh, out with the protesters this past weekend. Well, I mean, how many of these European leaders have thrown their own people, you know, under the bus, right, in, in their quest to, to you know, for Klaus Schwab or, whoever, you know, NATO, whoever they're working for? It just seems like they have a complete disregard for the benefit uh, of their own countries, so it's really astounding to see how far they'll go. The things they've said about, well, regardless of what the voters in my country want, we're standing behind Ukraine till the last one's dead. You yeah, know, the, kind of the attitude. <laughs> America will fight to the last Ukrainian. That's lovely. Yeah. No, I've I've uh, heard a, a lot of this kind of talking and uh, David Stockman at uh, you could check out his archive at antiwar.com has, I think, done a pretty good job of detailing the economics because like I'm not 
I'm a foreign policy guy and I know the economics are associated with it, but I don't keep up with that part as much, uh, you know, and know all those fundamentals and mechanisms and stuff. But if you go check out that David Stotman archive, you'll get and understand exactly why the energy crunch is hitting the Europeans so much harder than everyone else and uh, why this has blown up in their faces. So, uh, you know, terribly for the, the people of Europe. By any chance, do you know the terms of that peace deal, that uh, the Turkish peace deal? So, it, you, you know, the, the broad outlines of the deal was recognition uh, of Crimea as Russian and then as well as, the you know, the Donbass. But what the, the border are the lines were, who really knows, neutrality for Ukraine and then Ukraine was going to get, I think, some kind of Budapest memorandum level insurances that, you know, they would get Western support if they were attacked or something like that. Uh, it, but again, I don't think this was necessarily the final last deal. You know, I don't think every last, you know, like addendum point number two, you know, what happens if this happens kind of thing was all worked out. But I think they were pretty close to it. And, you know, we don't know all the details. We've only really gotten uh, the Russian foreign minister, Sergei Lagrov, confirming this. And then also Fiona Hill, who is a Obama era administration official, who's one of the real hots. In fact, she testified at the first Trump impeachment. And she was, I believe, the one I, I I confuse what her and Vidman said, but I believe she's the one that said we had to fight Russia over there, referring to Ukraine, so we don't have to fight them over here. Yeah, that's, I've heard that before um, <laughs> with different countries. Um, I think Iraq. But uh, I'm curious, just in your perspective, like what what is this conflict all about? Like why, you know, maybe for the noobs or foreign policy noobs, like what do you think is really behind this uh, war, the real reason behind it? So, you know, we're we're dealing with states here, right? We're all libertarians, but we're talking about states. And so, you know, when I say like Russia or like Putin, I'm not talking about every last Russian or anything like that. But, you know, you, you have the fall of the Soviet Union. And with that, you have a massive, massive country that was broken up into, I think, 13 total states and a lot of them very small. Uh, but one of the, the really contentious regions was Ukraine because of how close Ukrainian territory is to Moscow and then the historical importance of Ukraine as well as, you know, when the Soviet Union broke up, what became Ukrainian territory, I think if you look like about 30 to 50 percent of the people are ethnically Russian and I think over 50 percent are Russian speakers. Now, the reason there's more Russian speakers is because of like Soviet era um programs and things like that where you know everybody has to speak russian if you you know you want to advance in the communist party and be successful in in the soviet union everything like that so you got more russian speakers uh than you have actually russians but generally the the south and the east of ukraine is very you know pro-russian and everything like that and then you have legacy tensions from the area era of the soviet union we you know as libertarians know it was the 
Kremlin policies during the Soviet Union that starved millions of Ukrainians to death. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just had things going on in the Soviet Union. Like at one point, one of the Soviet leaders decided that this area, the Crimean Peninsula, that has historically since about the time of the founding of the United States of America had been Russian territory, the Crimean Peninsula. Well, for reasons of trying to balance and maintain his power, he transferred that to Ukraine. Now, you know, this would be something along the lines of, I think, like if uh, the president of the United States decided that Long Island was now part of New Jersey or something like that. I'm sure New Yorkers would be very upset. It kind of be a big deal. But at the same time, it's not like, you, you know, it's still the red, white and blue for everyone. You know, nobody's going to go to war over this. People are going to complain, but that's about it. And so that happens to the Crimean Peninsula. So when Ukraine uh, becomes its own state after the fall of the Soviet Union, you have this territory, particularly the Crimean Peninsula, that had been part of Russia forever and is very strategically important for Russia. The main Russian warm water Black Sea fleet was there, uh, based there at Sevastopol and, and things like that. And so uh, initially, after the, the fall of the Soviet Union, there's a pretty good relationship between Moscow and Kiev. And there, you know, no war needs to happen or anything thing like that. And then you have uh, after a, uh, you know, they say pro-Russian government when they're talking about Viktor Yanukovych, uh, who was the Ukrainian president a couple different times and who was ousted in uh, pro-American and American-supported coups in, in Ukraine. Uh, they, they say, but he was more favorable to the, the Russian side. And then the governments that the U.S. supported were uh, very, you know, pro-Ukrainian, but in a way where, uh, you know, it goes beyond Trump's policies, right, where, you know, these are people who, uh, you know, look to outlaw the Russian language. And and those are actually steps that were taken after the U.S. coup government took over in 2014. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of what's going on here is that there's some legacy territory issues. There's a lot of ethnic issues here. And, you know, you've now created a situation where because there's been a couple of U.S.-backed revolutions that have really allowed a very radical, uh, you know, portion of the Ukrainian population to take control of Kiev. And then, you know, the the militant neo-Nazis that were fighting in the east of the country for 20 from 2014 to 2022 uh, in the Donbass region. The moderate moderate rebels. That's what we call moderate (laughs) Our moderate rebels in Ukraine. you know, the, the, you know, that war going on really set the stage for 2022 and the Russian invasion. Uh, I, I think what probably was a straw that broke the camel's back was in January and February of 2022, uh, Ukraine really ramped up their attacks on the Donbass region. They had mobilized, uh, I think, 250,000 forces at that time. And if you look in the two weeks before the Russian invasion of Ukraine at what was happening along the line of control in eastern Ukraine, there were uh, tens of thousands of ceasefire violations, and over 80% of those uh, were carried out by the Ukrainian forces. And so once the Ukrainian forces were pushing uh, an offensive or, you know, trying to attack the Donbass region, which was at that time an independent area of Ukraine, but really, you know, was backed by Russia, and I don't think would have maybe been able to maintain their independence from Kiev, at least not for so long, without the support of Russia uh, for all that time. And so, uh, you know, once they Ukraine starts to attack the Donbass, then Russia moves in with a full invasion, and we have you know February twenty fourth. 
What, what was the status of that uh, election in those uh, territories that, that everyone in the West says, oh, those sham elections, right? Okay. Like, and then, uh, I mean, like, were they sham elections? And I mean, of course, I deny yeah. all elections, but uh, what was, <laughs> They're all what, what's, your, what's your view on that? This, yeah, so okay. I, I guess I want to separate the, the Crimea referendum that happened in 2014. Yes. That was a territory annexed by Russia in 2014. And I do think that referendum was pretty legitimate. There were European observers there for it. Uh, you know, it wasn't like Russia was a military occupying force there. And if we look at just the situation on the ground in Crimea, when Russia annexed that territory, 50% of the military defected. They just went into work the next day and put on Russia uniforms and so uh, you know that i think that's a pretty good indication that the people of crimea were fairly favorable to russia now i think the donbass uh, the the four recent referendums that you know if you look at a media they're calling them sham referendums yeah i don't think you could hold a referendum on you, you know what territory is going to belong there in the middle of a war my assumption is that since this was territory that's been held by russia for the past eight months and has been under pretty brutal attack from ukrainian forces. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the Ukrainian forces shell civilian areas and things like that. My guess is anybody who either was supportive uh, of Kiev has lost their support for Kiev because, you know, Ukrainian forces have been attacking them this whole time, or they fled because the Russian forces have been brutal in the territory that they've occupied as well. And they're, you know, worried about infiltrators and things like that. So they're not going to let a bunch of pro-Kiev people just hang around. So they've either removed themselves or been removed. So if you're wondering, like, if the people who are in you uh, in these regions of Ukraine, that yeah, they probably voted for Russia or voted to join Russia at the end of September, but I don't think that's necessarily representative of what would have happened in January. Uh, now, the Donbass region, uh, the these are two republics, the Donetsk and the Luhansk Republic. They did attempt to join Russia back in 2014 and were rebuffed by Putin for a number of reasons, uh, but. So, so I think it's probably safe to say that the Donbass region would have voted to join Russia. Although, you know, after eight months of war, maybe the people really hate the Russian forces because they invaded it and caused all this crisis. Maybe they love the Russian forces and see them as liberators. You know, I'm not on the ground in the Donbass, and I really don't know. Uh, but y- you really can't, I think, hold this kind of referendum during wartime, and it's bet for you know people to feel like it was fair. Are there- I think everyone just needs to abolish. Let's abolish Kiev and Moscow rule, right? <laughs> like, what if just everybody got left alone and be like, "All right, guys, it's over." Like, <laughs> just everyone go back to work. I'm offended that you said Kiev instead of Kiev. That's that's what that's what I'm triggered about right now. How dare you? You're such a bigot. That's just so- that's Russian propaganda. You know, it was one of those things where had two years ago somebody said that to me, I would have started saying it the other way. But it it was so obvious that after the war started that then people were like censoring it. It was like – you know, it, it, was, it was like a dog whistle kind of thing. Like anybody who was saying it the wrong way clearly was pro-Russian. And anybody who was saying it the right way, you could trust and listen to. So I couldn't bend at that point. I still spell it right. the, the other way, too. Awesome. Yes. Don't don't back down to these people, man. Like, oh, is the Russian the spelling you... like K-I-E-V? Is that? Yeah. Well, I, the... I, you know, to say it's the Russian spelling, I don't know. I think it's like the well, legacy spelling right. from the Soviet <laughs> era. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. All right. That would be right. 
Um, but I, I mean, kind of that, a silly that's thing. a spelling that was used from what, you know, 1990 till 2021 in almost every American media. Right. right. Look at any movie, any show, anything. It's always been Kiev. It's and they just wanted to change it overnight. Come well, February twenty twenty two. Most people know Chicken Kiev, right? I think right. like that's probably the most common usage of that term <laughs> right, in the world. It's chicken Kiev now. Right. I just had a nice. I just had a nice frozen chicken Kiev for dinner. This Look, if you're not if you're not spelling no, it nobody with eats the, with the chicken proper, Kiev. Yeah. Nobody. No. If you're not if you're not spelling it with the proper Cyrillic, then you're truly. You're truly a bigot. So, <laughs> well, are there are there any good journalists on the ground or any good information coming out, uh, Kyle, other than what's coming from antiwar.com? Because we don't really talk about it on PRL, mainly because, A, we don't have the docs and B, there's so much propaganda when it comes to what's going on in Ukraine. Are there any good journalists on the ground or anybody else doing fairly decent, accurate reporting? Uh, I mean, there's only so few people. That you can right. trust. Well, I mean, it's really hard to report on the ground from a war zone just because you have to embed with one military or the other uh, essentially to do it. And then you can't be too mean to that military or else you're, you're putting your safety at a pretty severe jeopardy. So, you know, reporting on the ground is kind of hard. And then also just, you know, this has been my experience with covering wars in Syria and Libya and, you know, all over the Middle East and other countries is, you know, sometimes things happen and unless you're actually like in that city, you really aren't going to understand it until it's covered and reported later. And so, you know, today they're saying that uh, the Kershaw city, that this very major city that Russia took in the early days of the war is going to fall to Ukrainian forces. But then if you look on Telegram right now, uh, everybody in the city is saying that the civilians left, but the Russian soldiers are all still there ready to fight the Ukrainian soldiers. Uh, but the, you know, if you look at all the more mainstream media reports, they're they're kind of saying and indicating that the Russian forces and have withdrawn everyone, the, the soldiers, the civilians entirely. So it's kind of hard to figure out all the time. Uh, I, I try my best to, like, go off of press releases and things like that. So, um, you know, from different read governments the and then to read between uh, the weeds. And uh, what was that Brian McWilliams or Brian Williams? The Oh, yeah, Brian Williams. I don't know. <laughs> what what the libertarian. Joe, uh, Joe the OP yeah. says uh, Brian Williams has been reporting from the front. <laughs> I don't know I was if anybody there. recently saw the it was I think a BBC reporter and he's like laying on the ground covering <laughs> under a little dirt yeah. embankment and then there's just some lady in the background walking her dog. <laughs> yeah. It's in like South Jersey or something. Yeah. Uh, Everything they do is so fake. It's just disgusting. <laughs> Well, so uh, there's one other thing, and, and we were talking about the language stuff earlier, so I want to get back to this real quick. So something that I learned over the since the start of this war that has been one of the most fascinating things to me is that the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, didn't actually Ugh. speak Ukrainian until he ran for president. 
Uh, he spoke Russian. Whoa. The show, Servant of the People, the, this major show that everybody talks about, is right. in Russian. And in fact, I was uh, I wow. found some blogs that would, you know, these are like the, I think this is the Ukrainian liberal SJW type. They're complaining about the show, Servant of the People, in these blogs because all the sophisticated real statesmen speak Russian and all the backwards red nuts, dumb, you know, idiots in the show who are like the comic relief are the people that speak Ukrainian. And so, you know, they thought Zelensky's show was racist against Ukrainians. Now, Zelensky made this this movie. Wait, is this? Okay, go on. Made this movie, Love in the Big City 2. I think it came out in 2013. I've never seen it. It sounds like an absolutely fantastic rom-com, though. If you look at the title, it looks, you know, like a goofy American rom-com type movie. It was banned in Ukraine because there was a neo-Nazi that was ahead of the... Uh, you know, the culture bureau or whatever, you know, gets to give out the ratings for movies in Ukraine. And because the movie wasn't Russian, he banned the movie. And so Zelensky's movie was actually banned because it wasn't Russian. Um, and I'm sure once he became president, he unbanned his movie, but I couldn't like find like a little what? note anywhere that said that that movie had actually been unbanned at any point in time. What's the name of the movie again? Love in the Big City too. I don't know the Ukrainian name. I want to see the first one before I can see a second one. Yeah, How am I, gonna, yeah, I gotta see Love in the City one. Yeah, the first one has. Putin. I'm not gonna understand what's going on. You know, <laughs> let's see if it's on Amazon or let's check if it's on Netflix. <laughs> that wasn't the same. Was that uh, where did remember? There's a famous scene where Zelensky plays the piano in an unusual way. Do you know what I'm talking mm. about? I'm not familiar. How unusual. Uh, well, I just posted a clip of it. Um, he, yeah, he play. He basically, he. It's a skit where he plays the piano with his genitals. Like, I just thought this. I don't know. This is the kind. Of, you know, this is the guy that's getting billions in dollars in in weapons. And um, should we play this? This this yeah, is let's, really let's popular. When he, all right, do it. <laughs> I want to see Zelensky. Yeah, this is so low quality. I guess that's the best I got. Yeah. <clears throat> like right, uh, an American Idol show over there in Ukraine or something. Shit. Wow, so he's playing wow. it with his balls. <laughs> I think you get the idea. I think yeah. that's enough of <laughs> this. Well, that, I, I think that American was the performance. So, someone needs to make a meme, put the American taxpayer right there instead of the piano and just kind of have him yeah. teabagging every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'll be <laughs> Kyle. Do you know of all this, all these weapons, all this aid that's gone to Ukraine supposedly to fight Russia, how much of it's actually fighting Russia and how much of it's just being like sold on the black market, possibly being bought by Russians. Like I just, uh, I mean, it wasn't, uh, it was recently Ukraine was identified as the most corrupt country in Europe and Russia probably number two. Uh, so what is your thought on where this where all these weapons going to end up and where, and who's going to be using them in like 20 years from now? Yeah, I, I mean, very, 
very astute concerns. And I I really don't know. At one point, there was a report, I think it was from CBS News, and it was in April estimating that only like 30% of the weapons had made it to the front lines. But when you look at these numbers, you do have to be careful because the Ukrainians have their own incentives. Uh, recently, yeah. they were complaining about the Europeans not delivering their aid fast enough. And so they like to say like, hey, you're not giving us enough of the right weapons in a fast enough amount of time. That may be true. Maybe the weapons are being funneled somewhere else. Maybe the Ukrainians are just, you know, trying to get more weapons and this is their way of complaining and trying to do that. And so, you know, some of these things are hard to parse out, but I would guess that, you know, at minimum, you know, 10% or so of the weapons are getting lost somewhere along the supply chain line. And, you know, who knows where they could end end up. Uh, We have our Secretary of State, Andy Blinken, right now. And there's a great article uh, by John Kariaku in Consortium News this week, where Kariaku goes and explains that Blinken's been uh, to three South South American countries and a couple other countries. And what he's trying to get them to do is to send their Soviet-era weapon systems and Russian weapon systems to the Ukrainians and then get these countries American weapons. So who knows if, like, you know, maybe they're doing some off-buts trading and, and things like that is going on because look, if you're the Chileans, maybe you don't want to upset Moscow, but maybe you're okay with being bribed with some American taints. And so you'll let the Americans send you some of their weapon systems, but you don't want it to be like a big public on the books kind of thing. Mm. Uh, that just, that doesn't sound like our, the military industrial complex would engage in any behavior Mm-mm. like that so, no. well, the mission is the important thing is that the weapons got sold okay yeah. it really doesn't matter who gets them or who gets the receiving end of those weapons yeah. the important thing is that the contracts happened and these they are good american shells, jobs huh? this is these are good american jobs you know we got to make these weapons it's like it's it's america's two, two words like for you best made export. in america <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> let me start off with two words made in america <laughs> did, did you see the did you see the trump clip where he goes there's four beautiful words made in america i swear to god no way no <laughs> he's Good not Lord. the first president to screw this one up no wonder you're denying all these elections. <laughs> People like that. <laughs> uh, the script writers these days, whoever's in charge of the teleprompters, right? Just come on. You know, like this is just re- getting ridiculous. Like, can't we? I mean, all these billions of dollars and we can't get some decent script writers. I, I saw a story in the mainstream media that uh, the Russian soldiers were being supplied with Viagra to yes. rape Ukrainian women. Yes. Uh, is there any truth to that? Do you think? <laughs> no, no. They use that. They use that same line in Libya. Yeah. If, to to propagandize that bullshit. What, if, really? what about um, any, yeah. any babies in incubators this time? And yeah. What, like so, there was th- this crazy thing that happened. I think this was in. I would say June, May or June, there was a Ukrainian official who was like their human rights commissioner or whatever, who was alleging that the Russian soldiers were raping all these children. And then the Ukrainians, the Ukrainian government fired her for making it all up. So, wow. wow. I, I kind of doubt that when you get stories. fired from, from the Ukrainian. I remember that. I, I think we, I think we made fun good. of that on the show like a, a year ago or it was a while ago. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I got the docs. This was uh, New York Post. Uh, New York this Post. Just, this was just a couple days ago, October 24th. 
But uh, yeah, Russian is giving soldiers Viagra to rape Ukrainians. UN official. It's from the UN, so you can trust them. Oh, my oh, God. It's okay. really from the UN? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. my God. <laughs> they're, they're legit. You can trust them. Oh, it sounded suspicious to me. I was like, really? When you hear, when you hear like, women testify about Russian soldiers equipped with Viagra, it's clearly it, a military strategy. It's like the meme from Back <laughs> to the Future where Marty's going, he's like, hey, I've seen this before. It's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, they're stooping to all-time lows. I came home today and just flipped on Normie News just to kind of unwind for a minute. And uh, just just to see what the propaganda is. And they were running an article on CBS on uh, Charlie Indigo Alpha uh, broadcasting systems. But it was an article or a news report, you know, in the last report um, before Lester Holt send off. But basically an organization from Oklahoma, like it's the largest animal sanctuary, apparently went over to the zoo in Kiev. Because to rescue all the tigers and this long journey to rescue the tigers from a war zone. And, you know, these because soon the Ukrainians will be eating them to right because they're out of food. Right. Like like they had to do in Venezuela. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> this is this type of propaganda. So this yeah. is, to, to, to save them from socialism. Right. right. Yeah. I'm not surprised they ran back the Viagra story. I mean, they're stooping to all time lows in prop and reruns when it comes to this propaganda but anyway oh god so funny it's just it's just so funny it just they keep on regurgitating the same old thing and just expecting us to swallow it and for the most part people will i guarantee you five ten years from now someone will say like oh they were giving viagra to women you know to their soldiers <laughs> i guarantee it <laughs> see but this is the problem to me this is a problem with hollywood these days right there's nothing new under the sun they can't get an original script out to save their life it's some repackaged woke bullshit at best reboots like trying to milk the existing brands you know like we already did the proxy war against russia funding funneling money to to violent get groups <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out well, right? Like, it's not going to work out well this time either. And this, yeah, the propaganda. Well, it's going to work out so well weak. for the defense contractors. So that's so why they keep doing weak. it. Dude, right, you should put, God, it's, show the meme. Show the meme I posted from the my art. The uh, last link I sent over. <clears throat> it's a good one. I I stole it today. You seize the memes, Conrad. Yeah, I seize the memes of production. <laughs> yeah, it's it fun. Oh, it's taking you a minute. I can vamp that one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> World Economic Forum. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's for everyone listening right now. It says the age of Pfizer is over. The time of Raytheon has come, and it shows a picture. Of, uh, I what I forget what this is. The name of this this type of creature. Or- or- work the orc. Yeah, the orc. Thank you. Yeah, the orc <laughs> superimposed on top of uh, what's his face, his head. God, words are hard. I don't know. Klaus Schwab. <laughs> Klaus Schwab. Thank you. Thank you. I yes. got you, man. Yeah. Appreciate Uncle that. Uncle Klaus. You eat the yeah. bugs. <laughs> yeah. Holy God. shit. Man. Oh, it's, uh, so- yeah. The pharmaceuticals had a run. Now it's it's Raytheon's turn. So speaking of, real quick, I'll touch on the bug thing real quick. 
so have you guys ever heard of the Netflix show or it's Netflix, but it's also BBC or whatever, I guess. It's the um, British baking, bake off, whatever baking. Show. Oh, I the saw great that British clip. baking show. Yeah. Holy shit. This was insane. Yeah. You're not. They no, had, they didn't have a bug, a bug, a bug. They made they made people use crickets and they, and they in one of their <laughs> their their competitions. And then they yeah. criticized someone for not using enough crit, uh, crickets. Like you didn't use that many crickets. They're just, that's a good savory taste. You need to add to your to your uh, wow. whatever your cupcake Ugh. or whatever. Yeah, wow. it's insane. It's like on time. My wife doesn't believe me. I'm like, they're trying to get people to eat bugs. And she's like, no, they're not. And so every single time it pops up, I always send her the link. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm trying to find the docs, but I, I did see that floating around on the on oh, Twitter. Man, that blew and me I was away. Like, Holy shit! It's yeah. Hey, I just I just posted a uh, another World Economic Forum video. This one is Ooh. I think is from like the summer, but it was um, UN Secretary for Global Com says they own the science on climate change, and they describe how they partnered with Google to make sure that all search results are favorable to to their UN agenda. It, it's pretty pretty it's pretty scary when they when you when you think about the kind of control these people. Um, have been able to to put together over especially over media like this oh wow was, oh yeah some of these partnered clips are with insane. google for example if you google climate change you will at the top of your search you will get all kinds of un resources we started this wow. partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So wow. we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think we, we own the science. We own the science. We own the science. We own the science and we think wow. that the world you know should know it and and the platforms themselves also do um but oh again it's it's it is um it's it's a huge huge challenge that i think all sectors of society need to awesome. be very active in oh, and we're wow. the conspiracy theorists we're the conspiracy dude, theorists. yes dude i just posted another yeah like you tell people about this, and it's like they're fucking videos. Like they're a bunch of Doctor Evils <laughs> I know. just having conferences yeah. and just blurting out what the fuck's happening. It's like, but we're fucking nuts. It's like it's all fucking out there. Like this that, guy. That's what Clown World's all about. It's like yeah. they just say what's happening, and we say, "Look," and they go, "Oh, you're crazy." Yeah. Like <laughs> they just did a whole fucking TED talk of insane tyrannical shit. And again, you know, again, 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 tyrannical TED Talks. There you go. Tyrannical TED Talks. Like, <laughs> That's a good title. <laughs> Thank Fuck you. Know. So I just posted uh, in the chat, too. So Liz Truss is gone. And that vid, the, what Kyle was talking about, that video that was up where she was just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to. You know, launch some nukes. She yeah, she was like worse than she was worse than uh, Boris. You know, yeah. I mean, stuff. off the hinges. Well, this she, guy. Well, I looked like she she was ready to prove her manhood and launch those nukes, right? Like, <laughs> like. So uh, she's, uh, what you're you're saying? I wouldn't do it. I'm, gonna, I'm ready to nuke them. <laughs> right. I want to nuke this, them. It's my duty to nuke them. Yeah. So this this apparent rumor has it. This is or maybe it's confirmed, but this is her replacement. And this guy it's is a world, yeah. world Economic Forum, and he's like he's about to usher in the CB, like central bank digital currency in England. 
Like, God save the king. I mean, <laughs> right? But he's another. You know, uh, this is another World Economic Forum shill. I got some conspiracy theories about this stuff. But let's watch this. Watch this. Group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7 is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Mm -mm. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments oh. and central banks across the world are working together, working looking into together. what having That's a digital currency <laughs> might mean in the ocean. <laughs> this includes issues that people care about, such as ensuring users' money would be safe and secure, that it could work with other ways to pay, would be energy efficient and available Will to be inclusive? A potential inclusive. CBDC inclusive businesses and consumers Equitable. new ways to pay in the future. Equitable theory. It's part of the wider story of digital pay. innovation that has delivered benefits to millions around the world. It's a new way to make UK. millions pay. The decision on whether to launch a central pay. bank digital currency is for each country to make, and no G7 jurisdiction has yet made that choice. These decisions raise important questions about the reshaping of our economy, financial systems, and the way in which people interact with money Check and Check out payments. his hair, though. And for That's why people interact together you and just said it there. evaluation with our international partners is essential. Oh, I'm sorry. Talk in the he UK, earlier this year. the way people interact. That's what he said. That's what he fucking just said. Interact yeah. with money and payments, yeah. But interact. It's- and the way in which people interact with money and payments that's why working together and careful evaluation with our international partners is essential. In the UK earlier this year, I announced a new joint task force between the Treasury and the Bank of England to look into a potential CBDC as a complement to cash and bank deposits. Ooh, a compliment. We're also hearing from firms, technology experts and others. More CBD, less CBD. Under the leadership of the UK, this report today will help support and inform exploration of CBDCs in the G7 and beyond. With these principles, the G7 is leading an important... All right, that's enough of that. Yeah, I can't. I can't. What do you guys think about his hair? Am I right? That was some seriously, like, sculpted hair. Like, they really went all out for this this role to sell this thing. So I had heard... So I I don't know a lot about this guy, but just from, like, scrolling through Twitter today and seeing some posts from other... You know, people in the anti-war community, the the impression was this guy is the emptiest of empty suits. And that video seems to confirm it for me. I'm pretty sure he had never read that before and had no idea what he was talking about. You know, he's but just, at least in that country, the that's going to agree to whatever. Yeah. And at least in that country, they that take world. The, ha, 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 ha. They take time, though, to at least hire a guy that can read a damn teleprompter. OK, <laughs> is that too much to ask? It right sounds like English, the even States. if it was. The British kind. Yeah, but it's so, the, it's so much the, more that boring the, that way. I guess way. you have to call it the King's English now. It's not the Queen's English anymore. It's right. the King's English. Well, the great part is you could just read the White House transcript and they'll have what was on the teleprompter, not what came out of the president's mouth, which always <laughs> adds to the confusion no. and the fun of this. No, also, no, they the, don't. The mainstream media, the way like the different outlets like Fox News, you know, their writers are having a blast typing up these transcripts at CNN and stuff. They're trying to make sense to it. There's like four ellipses in every sentence to cut out everything. It's quite crazy. 
they don't always, they, sometimes they publish exactly what he mumbles and it's like, and they'll even like try to phonetically type it out and then say like, um, uh, like <laughs> they just have a cat while across their keyboard. <laughs> yeah. It says I mean, like with the quotations that he was trying to swat a fly away from his face. I'll say, yeah, like, just put stroke in brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Begin stroke and then end stroke. <laughs> <laughs> oh god god bless me joe, me joe. <laughs> poor me joe i you know cgi joe is much much more efficient but uh, yeah, so they could have had better effects you know like it, like they could have given him like cool like terminator like effects you know where he could like turn into liquid metal or <laughs> <laughs> you know, like put him on the moon or something you know like why are you gonna yeah, just put him in like totally a fake down. white house when you could just put him on the moon did you see those uh, did you see all that green screen stuff with Zelensky where there, oh, there was like yeah. all these yeah. using the green screen like I know war is always fake but Jesus you know put, put a little effort in it's I mean, really all the uh, dead people he so yeah. he uh, you know lunatic Zelensky this week said that there should be strikes on the Kremlin if anybody bombs a street of the presidential palace in Kiev. Um, so my guess is he's pretty worried and is trying to avoid a decapitation strike. Um, it's playing screen screens. Well, he but he's hoping yeah. he's lucky he might not just end up like Gaddafi, dude. Like he might just be on the streets getting sodomized with a bayonet. With the way shit's going, man. The way the United States could flip on him in a minute, dude. That guy would be decapitated in like five minutes. Seriously. The, well, and I, if I he makes have, an agreement, I think he has to worry about his own people doing it. I mean, that's yeah. that's one of the things that you know what was really discussed about Zelensky's presidency. That one of the things he said that he would do was in, implement the Minsk Agreement after 2014, the civil war broke out in Ukraine. This is what balance the Donbass, the Russian supported side against Kiev. And, um, you know, Zelensky didn't implement this. There's a video of him. This is unbelievable. He goes to the front lines and there's some Azov are, uh, I think, right sector fighters there. These are neo-Nazi, neo-Nazi yes. aligned fighters. And he's telling them, like, look, you guys got to stop yes. fighting. You guys, you know, we're, we're going to implement the MISC agreement. And they're they're saying no. And they're laughing at him. And he goes, I'm 41 years old. I'm a man. I'm the president. And, you know, whenever you say I'm 41 years old, that's how you know you have absolutely no authority. And so, you know, they laugh. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm 40. And they keep fighting. And so, you know, if the U- Zelensky needs the U.S. backing to, to not get lynched by these people if he decides to make a deal. I just and like think about it. All that weapons that we gave to arming AQAP in Syria led to ISIS. Like, what are all these weapons that we're getting? We're talking about giving, like, Abrams tanks to the Azov Battalion. Like, that doesn't sound like something I want to be a part of at all. Yeah, yeah do you think... He, well, what, do you or think- how about those rocket launchers, right? Those, oh, uh, yeah. what are those missiles? Those, like, like anti-radar ones? Any or? kind of... Any, no, like, any commercial airliner could come down with one of those. 
Oh, they've given them map pads. Missiles. Uh, uh, this, yeah, the stingers. They, they've given various var- variations of them. They have uh, the Groms from uh, Poland and a, a couple others from Europe. They, they've given them all kinds of air defense systems. And remember, uh, I think it was, what, 2015 when the airliner got shot down over this region by one side or the other using an air defense system. Oh, so, that's right. You know, that's right. I forgot about hopefully that. Hopefully with like the, the level of, not hopefully with the warfare, but hopefully there's so much war going on in Ukraine. No airlines are chancing it flying anywhere near the place. But, you know, you do have to worry that if this goes on and turns into like a slower smoldering conflict, you know, what 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 shall these weapons could then be used against civilian targets and things like that? Right. And, and what are these organizations going to be? What's the configuration 20 years from now? Yeah. Right. Like. I mean, remember the Mujahideen was invited into the uh, into the White House under Ronald Reagan and praised as founding fathers, <laughs> right? And then, and, and they were heavily the armed. Of, what, end of uh, of uh, they were Rambo? fighting with Rambo, Rambo, uh, yeah, the brave right, Mujahideen fighters. Yeah, all in a proxy war against Russia. Oh, uh, what? I forget how that ended up. What did anything go wrong there? I don't. I don't. <laughs> oh God. It's just funny, man. But that, that leads us to um, this awesome video from once again, our boy Dan Smots is killing it with his uh, working with Jeremy Kaufman up in New Hampshire. I think it's all at the top, Jared. We should probably play this. This is great. This new video just dropped a few hours ago. Collab saying that war is gay. I'm here to tell you the truth. War is retarded. It's retarded. We're not supposed to say that word, but this is exactly why we need to say it. Because if you support war, you are a retard. We have done this before. This isn't new. Weak, soft, anti-American terrorist sympathizer. These are some of the things you would have been called for opposing the Iraq war in 2003 or Vietnam in the 1960s. And today, you'll be called similar things for opposing America's involvement in the Ukraine and Russian conflict. Well, you're not. What you actually are is brave. Being anti-war is always unpopular, but it takes people who are willing to stand up and say, no, this isn't our fight. No, we don't need to be involved. And the people who are weak and soft are the people who want to steal from you to get us involved in a conflict we have no business in. I'm glad they put Tulsi in The war on poverty was won by poverty. The war on drugs was won by drugs. The war on Afghanistan was won by goat herders with an average income of $500 per year. Don Baldock and Maggie Hassan want us to fight China and Tulsi's Russia up in New Hampshire campaigning for this guy. This guy's guy. the fact that we haven't gone all in on this already, diplomatically, informationally, militarily, uh, and economically. Everything's on the table when it comes to keeping our oh, country safe. Everything. Uh, and what we've seen from Russia in particular recently. And we can't take any pressure off China either. we got to go after China because they're in this right. with them. Maggie Hassan and Don Baldock want to take your money so that your children can die and America can be hurt. This November, be brave, be anti-war, be a libertarian. I'm Jeremy Kaufman, Damn. and I'm serious. Hell yes, I love Damn. that one. Because at first yeah. I was like, uh-oh. Epic. 
I got the preview for it, and I was like, "All right, everyone, wow. buckle up." <laughs> and then, but he, dude, he hit it with some Man. great. Well, he Fuck draws yeah. fire, and then it's like, "Oh yeah, now it's now we're serious." <laughs> fucking fire that is so good man that is that is the best that is the best libertarian video uh like campaign video i've ever seen yep oh i know well really they're usually good. garbage so it's not really that big <laughs> of a not, deal but the bar is pretty low <laughs> the bar is very low oh but, god someone i know i still really like the one that he did for spike back in the day that they that oh the yeah that LP was good. took down yeah. Oh, God. Well, speaking of which, I was just about to say someone someone referred to Joe Jorgensen as Joe Snorgenson. Oh, Jorgensen. And I laughed. I, I'm still laughing about that. Joe Snorgenson. Joe Snorgenson. <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> it just made me. I was like so stupid. It made me laugh so hard. Oh God. Oh man. Well, so that has, great. that hasn't really been released yet, or it has been released. No, it has it's on YouTube. Status. Okay. Is yeah, it good? I mean, is it tweeted? Are, it, yeah. have, have, have people freaked out yet? Uh, not yet. It's only a few hours old. Just wait to wait till it makes its rounds. It'll hit the fake Rotarians uh, group. Looks and like it's hear... got 37,000 views on Damn. Twitter. Well, yeah, well, I retweeted. If you guys who are listening right now, you want to share that you can go to the punk rock libertarians feed and see it's scroll down. You'll see it. You can retweet it from there if you want. But uh, yeah, man, is, I was really impressed just, with that. That is gold. I mean, and this is on top of a string of major, major successes. <laughs> you think we'll uh, take this over to the after hours? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this has been good. I mean, this flew by. Kyle, thanks for coming. I mean, are you good to record with us? We're going to record a little bit of after hours show right after this one. Are you, you cool to stick around? Yeah, yeah, I just need to fill up my water, but absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, all right, Ooh, cool. All right, well, up. um. Yeah, hell yeah. Let's keep this conversation rolling over to our After Hours podcast, which we're going to record right after this. And uh, if you guys want to hear it, you guys, please check out our Patreon and subscribe for as little as $3 a month. You get access to all of our shows and all the past shows we've done. And um, also, if you don't feel like using Patreon, you can go to prlfans.com and find other ways to donate to the show. And uh, we also have t-shirts for sale over at libertariancountry.com. If you use the code PRL or PRL podcast, you get a 10% discount. If you spend $50 or more and use the code PRL2, you'll get a 20% discount. And Kyle, before we dip out, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you and uh, your social media? Plug Feel free to plug away. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kyle Anslone underscore. I got kicked off Facebook in May. No reason was given. They just permanently sucked my account after I never gotten suspended or hadn't a post taken down or anything. So no more Facebook. I'm on uh, Twitter, though. You can uh, find the show, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey for video version, up anywhere you can listen to podcasts. There's a Libertarian Institute all podcast feed. So if you're really into foreign policy, you get my show and the Scott Horton show on the same feed. Uh, I'm at the Libertarian Institute, I write probably in at least one news piece every day, Monday through Thursday for uh, the Libertarian Institute. Fridays, I write at antiwar.com. And then um, my show is Conflicts of Interest. I co-host it with Connor Freeman. So uh, at least three shows a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is the, the you know usual scheduled days. But things come out when they come out. But you always almost through three shows a week. Awesome. I want to strongly suggest people become monthly donors to both antiwar.com and the Libertarian Institute. Absolutely. Seriously. Like if you're not like you're you're just missing out. I mean, it's like they're they're both like right over the target and you know, we don't have that many 
you know, institutions <laughs> doing that kind of work. So seriously, throw throw them throw them a bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank Keep you so much. We have our uh, fundraiser right now at antiwar.com and we've gotten oh, yeah. recommendations from a variety of people from Noam Chomsky all the way to Douglas McGregor. Uh, we got uh, tomorrow. Now punk rock libertarians. Out- well, you know, speaking of rock, uh, uh, tomorrow, if you check out the antiwar.com page, there's going to be a pitch to donate to the site from Roger Waters of Pink Floyd. So a lot of really cool stuff going on at antiwar.com. Nice. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so Very much. Cool. And uh, everybody, until next time, live free or die. Stay this is break, the blood that is shed. Drenching the flies on the tax clubs and